I am Allison Dunn, host of Deliberate Leaders, and today we have author and business coach James Cademan. Um, he mm -hmm. is the owner of Draw In Customers Business Coaching in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, he is the author of The Bold Business Book. And nice, you got a copy. That's yeah, awesome. I do. You sent it to me, and <laughs> I even have it signed, which I love. Yeah. So thank mm -hmm. you very much. <laughs> Um, and he has a blog, it is called DrawInCustomers.com, where you have lots of tips and tricks and tools and all of the good stuff for your listeners. So yeah. I understand you do a podcast as well, right? I do, it's called Authentic Business Adventures, and we just hit episode 103 shows ago. So oh, congratulations. Yeah. Ooh, it's kind That's of fun. Awesome, mm -hmm. well, James, thank you so much for being here with us today and um, yeah. speaking with us. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You bet. My pleasure. Um, so I um, I have my own copy. I love the fact that it is that you sent me the hardcover. So thank you very much. Yeah. Um, who did you write the book for? Oh, boy. That evolved. Um, it, it turned out to be mostly myself, really. <laughs> it was one of those, like, I'm writing this. You got to get stuff on paper. You know, the entrepreneurial mind like you have, you just have so many ideas and suggestions for people mm -hmm. and so I put them down on paper and eventually you know I was blogging a lot and that evolved to the point of a book and then you're like well who's gonna buy this thing so it was initially geared towards startups okay. but it evolved into business owners in general mm -hmm. and the reason that it evolved that way is because I have another business which is calls on call we answer phones for small business owners and I would run into people that I was trying to sell that they'd have their business for decades, you know, 20 years, and they're still making the same mistakes that I made when I first started my business, like when I was in its infancy, right? So I'm yeah. like, how are these guys making these mistakes? And it's just, I think people just get in their groove and either it's lack of care or complacency or maybe they're not even aware. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the book kind of evolved into like, hey, Maybe this is something to consider. And okay. I've gotten a lot of good feedback from it that way. So, yay. <laughs> I bet. Is, um, was this the first book you ever wrote? This was, well, technically it's the second book. Okay. However, however, the first book was called You Got This. It's a motivational guide to achieving your dreams. Okay. And all it says is you got this on every single page. And then the last page says, now get to work. So it's 250 pages of saying you got this. So I can send you a video. There's there's a couple of reviews on Amazon where I didn't make it clear that it said the same thing on every page. It's meant to kind of be a, a play on motivational books. Yeah. So I'm like, if you really think that a book is going to motivate you, like you're going to start to finish at the beginning, I'm going to read the book and I'll be unmotivated. And at the end of the book, I'm just going to be like, yay, super motivated. It's probably not going to happen. So because motivation is a lot of internal, right? For so the sure. whole point of this book is like it's kind of poking fun at motivational books and it's meant to be a gift but yeah. some people my sister one of my sisters oh my gosh she bought the book and she's like james she sent me this text she says james i got your book and i was like oh what'd you think of it she's like i feel like i overpaid <laughs> and i'm like sorry that's like i put a video of it on amazon so that it, i didn't mean to surprise anyone but so to answer your question that was technically the first book but the reason that I put that together is one, for fun, and two, so I could go through the self-publishing thing with kind of an experimental book instead yeah. of going through it with this book that I spent two years writing. 
and thousands of dollars editing or having edited. Um, instead of learning on that one, I learned on this other one. All right. So, so I'm so I'm curious. Having long go- answer. Having gone through publishing your two books, what is your yeah. biggest takeaway of self-publishing? It's easy. Okay. It's a, there's a time factor to it, but it's not complex. So I'll meet a lot of people that say, oh, I got this book that I'm thinking about writing. Or some people I've met that have even written the book. They're just, they're like, how did you publish it? And I'm pretty much just like, you create an account and upload it just like you're uploading a file on an email. Okay. I mean, there's a little more complexity to that, but not much. Mm-hmm. There's like the third book I wrote, wrote, right? is the awesome book and that just says you are awesome on every page and the last page it says so freaking awesome right so that one <laughs> was another situation I had a friend that wanted me to help her publish her book so I'm like I haven't published a book in a year and Amazon's always tweaking their stuff so I use the same template for you got this put together the awesome book which is a side tangent the awesome book is outselling the bold business book which is frustrating but cool in its own way. It's because right? you're a multi-time so author says, and it just gave you more credibility. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I feel bad saying that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about sales and marketing. Um, sure. I am, um, I'm an active user of LinkedIn. I see your stuff all over LinkedIn as well. And so I'm just curious, um, mm-hmm. has that been a good platform for you and what's your strategy? Yeah, it has been a good platform because I feel LinkedIn like LinkedIn doesn't have all the junk that a lot of other social media stuff has mm-hmm. junk entertainment stuff whatever LinkedIn I feel like most people keep it more or less professional so it's very focused I guess for that so it's been good that way okay. um, as far as a system I try to upload something at least once a week okay. though sometimes when I'm really pushing something then I'll do more than that. Like right now, tomorrow we have this business expo in Madison. You probably saw a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. on that. So it doesn't apply to you in Idaho. That's okay. I've been pushing that. And um, I, people reach out to me. You probably get this a lot too, where you have people that say I can promote your business and yeah. whatever. We're business coach growers and all this jazz. I get probably, I don't know, what do you get? A dozen of those a week or something At like least. that? Yeah. It's crazy. It's insane. I'm like, you can't possibly be helping coaches but whatever so there is a little bit of junk but outside of that it's fun it's good it's worthwhile cool yeah have um have you um so how long have you been doing your podcast you're at 100 episodes which is impressive yeah it's once a week so a little over two years okay and what is the focus of your podcast i have been a guest on it um so you have i have yes so i'm asking it from a broader sense of you know so that our listeners know what your podcast is about Sure. So essentially the point of the podcast is to get the story from business owners kind of from beginning when they were thinking about starting their business up until current and then maybe where it's going in the future if they have any idea. Because I feel like a lot of business owners have a story. Mm-hmm. A lot of business owners have multiple stories that really don't get told. The idea is that there's the, the overnight success. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe in overnight successes. I feel like there's a lot of work that goes on. For sure. And and a lot of entrepreneurs just don't get a chance to tell that story. Mm-hmm. And other entrepreneurs can benefit from hearing those stories from other entrepreneurs so that they know they're not alone kind of thing. And like, this is a struggle sometimes. Yeah. It can be a challenge. Yeah. And But a lot of entrepreneurs want to put the face forward that 
It's totally easy. This is super great. I'm super awesome. I can do anything. And they don't show that challenge. And so I think when new entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs-to-be see that and they, they start the business and they have challenges, they're like, am I the only one that's having this rough time? And you're not. Everybody's having a rough time. Totally. Employee challenges, just stuff, right? Vendors, whatever. We, Pick no a one, no we one is immune it. to it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Problems don't go away. So. Um, so that was your idea in getting the podcast started. Um, yeah. Uh, what, um, and all of your episodes are focused, are they typically focused on a local business story of some sort? Generally speaking, I have a few national ones. I would consider you a national one. Mm-hmm. I had Howard Byrne, I'm messing up his last name. It's Howard. He was the world's fastest reader. He was okay. interesting. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea. Cool. He, it was cool. He, he reached out to me, so that was super cool. But generally speaking, very broad, I like to have people in the studio because sometimes people are telling stories, and I can see from their body language mm-hmm. just the intensity of the story, how, how deep I can go with the questions. Mm-hmm. Where over the phone, sometimes it's not that easy. Very so, difficult to understand. Yeah. yeah. Plus the studio that I use an actual radio studio for it, their equipment is way better than what um, I could want to have in my office. Yeah, it's huge. I yeah. was um, I was mm-hmm. lucky enough to do um, a radio show here locally uh, for five years, and it was a blast. And oh, it was nice. On on similar topics, you know, bringing in local sure. success stories and getting real about mm-hmm. yeah, like it wasn't always perfect, right? You know, and having them right. share like what they go through and what their learnings mm-hmm. are from it. So I love love mm-hmm. love that as a focus yeah, on your cool. podcast. Um, how do you find your guests for your podcast? Like we got connected, you know, I'm, you call me yeah. a national podcast, which I love. Yep. Um, so right? How, <laughs> how do you find your guests? Um, generally speaking, it's just from networking. Mm-hmm. You have conversations with people or I'll see a business that looks interesting and I'll just find the owner and just ask them. Okay. There's a surprising number of people that do not want to share their story. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize this yeah. until there's a guy that I know. I've known him for, I don't know, six, seven years, something like that. He's got an HVAC company. And I see him every other week at this networking event. And I'm like, dude, why don't you want to be on the podcast? Like, it's free marketing for you, essentially. Right. And he's like, um, maybe I don't want to tell my story. And then it made me think, you step back, right? And I was like, oh, I couldn't think of why you wouldn't want to tell your story. But there's also that privacy. You have to respect that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in the end, you just have to ask a lot of people. And most of them say yes, so it's cool. Yeah. I don't know if you had that challenge when you were, when you had your show. Uh, um, well, was so- it tough? Um, we had pretty good uh, local reach. Uh, so when I okay. asked people, like it's almost you can't say no because it is such a great marketing opportunity. <laughs> um, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I definitely, people are, are pretty uncomfortable in sharing their story in general or they're perfectly comfortable being honest and authentic about you know, the bruises and sure. bumps and you know, um, mm-hmm. sleepless nights and lacking financial wealth until it gets going, so. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I feel like going after since we've been going now for a hundred episodes, we have some traction now where people understand it's not just some. They understand that I'm not trying to sell them on anything, right. and they understand like you can see on their social media, we're not like 
dude perfect big or anything, but there's enough of a following where you can see like, okay, this isn't just a joke or something. This is serious, but there's value to it, I guess. Value for taking the time to be on the show. For sure. So I hope um, that's what they think anyways. Um, <laughs> what, um, in doing podcasts, what have you learned mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm, I'm a beginner on my podcast sure. and I'm open, I, we're on episode mm -hmm. 16 or 17, I'd say. Um, what, um, oh, sure. what tips okay. would you give to someone who would either be considering starting a podcast or me? Boy, um, I'm going to be cautious answering that because I don't think that I'm the expert at podcasting by That's any stretch. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> um, I can tell you that I try to get it on, on as many channels as possible. Okay. So we create a YouTube video out of it. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, it airs on a radio station locally here in Sun Prairie. Great. So we try to get a lot of reach. The downside with that is that because there's a bunch of channels, people ask me, well, how many listeners do you have? I'm like, well, a lot. we have a rough idea. Like we know it's some. We know <laughs> we know it's more than none. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, just enough. And it's interesting because you can see some guests that have a social media presence that's a pretty strong following that is not that does not necessarily equal more listeners. I have learned that if you interview someone that has anything to do with animals, t dogs, um, there's just <laughs> for some reason they get hundreds, hundreds of listens. Oh. Dog daycare, vet, all that kind of stuff. I'm gonna it's I'm gonna crazy. put down the tip of interviewing um, a new uh, a dog training company. That's awesome. Dude, just put a picture of a dog in the in the podcast thing. Oh, it's insane. So I maybe I should name my podcast after my dog Sailor and just put her picture totally. there. <laughs> totally. It's weird. It's it's like the magic pill. I don't know. It's something. That's yeah. fair. Okay. It's weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cuz there's no like there's no discernible difference in the business itself. Right. Just people are like, "Dog, got to go listen to it." Awesome. All right. Well, that's that's a good yeah. tip. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on that one right away. Sure. Just have um, your dog in your lap during the podcast. You'll oh, millions of views. <laughs> Super cool. Uh, I can tell you just some other quick side things. I yeah. use I store on Amazon S3 cloud okay. storage, and I use um, Blurberry, Blurberry or Blueberry without an E. It's some hip name, but I use that software on my website to help distribute it. Okay. It's it's um. It's less expensive mm -hmm. than using uh oh Rian Cloudflare no uh, Cloud... SoundCloud. Oh my gosh, SoundCloud? what is it SoundCloud SoundCloud yeah 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 SoundCloud like that wasn't built for podcasts because we do one hour podcast mm -hmm. so the storage for one hour podcast is just it's not realistic right um from my point of view plus. I didn't want to upload all my podcasts to something that I didn't have control over. Mm -hmm. So the Amazon S3, I, those are my files and I can distribute them as I need or as I want. Where with any of those other things, you're uploading them to their website and if all of a sudden they decide that they want to close up shop, you're, you have to scramble and find something. Okay. So, so I wanted as much control as possible. Okay. But I don't know, maybe that's just me being weary of the world, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> But that's what I would recommend. There's a little more, there's a little more tech tech stuff that you have to do on the back end, but it's not terrible. Once okay. you get it going, it's easy. Do you have mm -hmm. a um, a do your listeners come from a, a more from a certain channel over another one? Because you said um, you were on um, Apple 
and you listed two others. So where where are most yeah, of the listeners yep. coming from? Yep. So that is through, yeah, through the blueberry. Okay. Oh my gosh, I can't think. I think it's B L U and then Berry. Okay. Um, that is a free plugin for WordPress website. They have a you can subscribe if if you want to get statistics and more stuff. But I found that I was never taking the time to look at the statistics. Mm -hmm. So because I'm like I'm not going to stop doing it. So we'll just move along. Maybe when it comes to the point where you start monetizing it. Right. But I'm not to that point yet. That's just one more. Is one that more ever your part. goal to do that? I mean, I guess you wouldn't um, turn it away, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say no to it. However, I look at uh, sometimes the information that I want, uh, whether it's on YouTube or podcast or something like that, I get annoyed with the ads. Mm -hmm. So I feel like unless you reach that threshold where you can actually make a living off the ads, where it justifies it, sure. But until that point, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to the listeners by having ads. Like, I don't need it For to sure. pay me $5 a month or something, right? Yeah. I saw Tim Ferriss's podcast. I looked at um, advertising on there. It was a minimum $100,000 spend. And I thought, okay, if I'm to that totally point. Totally worth sure. it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah. You better hope so for that kind of gamble. For sure. But yeah, um, I'm not there yet. What's your favorite podcast to listen to? Oh, boy. Um, there. I'm gonna blush saying this, but there's a podcast called Sex with Emily. Okay, I love it. It's Sex with Emily. She's been doing this for I think she's been doing it like 12 years, but it's interesting to listen to her in the beginning and then now. And the the content is kind of fun. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, just Sex with Emily. It's just this woman talking about relationships and stuff like this, but it's interesting to watch her evolve and get better at podcasting and sometimes she has guests like she's to the point where she has producers and all this kind of stuff so it's it's a very well done podcast okay. it's interesting it's probably shorter I want to say they're probably 20 minutes or something like that but I, I just landed on her I don't know how I ended up on her if you just look up best podcast or something like that okay. something broad because I started listening, I started listening to Howard Stern, um, not like routinely or anything like that. But I figure he's the guy that's been around for a long time, yes. and he's grown a following, a very strong following. Like I think um, Sirius kind of banked on him. Mm -hmm. Like so, I'm like, okay, here's a guy that's essentially doing the same thing that we're doing, right? He's just interviewing people, and we got to see, just watch what he's doing, right? What is, and it's interesting when you watch him or listen to him, really. Um, he does some crazy research on his guests. He does, he like he knows backstories before the guests come on. Like he's doing a lot of homework. Mm -hmm. And I decided I don't want to do that much homework. And I don't know that I could find that much information in the people I'm interviewing. Right? When you're interviewing the plumber down the street, like how much you're not going to find out how many kids he has or take the time to do that. That would be creepy. But it's interesting how when he's interviewing people that are very famous. That he pulls out like, oh, blah, 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 you're 17 illegitimate children or whatever. And they're like, how do you know that? Right? Like mid-interview. So it's kind of cool to pick up on stuff like that instead of saying like, oh, here's a shock jock or something like that. Like he's actually doing some work. It's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, uh, I know that you're also – Did I throw you off with the sex with that? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I, I'm. If she's doing it well, I'll check her out. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, decades. Yeah. Um, so you are also a business coach, correct? I do. Yep. Yep. Okay. What type of clients do you work with? Sorry, you're breaking up over that question. I'm sorry. That's okay. I understand. That's all right. I typically work with service clients. Okay. So it's service businesses. It's generally speaking, um, 30 employees and less. Okay. And service businesses where there's plumbers, electricians, there's a couple food carts. Um, it's people, I guess you could say food isn't a service necessarily, but there's a customer service aspect that not everyone gets that has a restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, but generally speaking, it's service businesses. And that that's where I have my experience from my previous businesses and the clients that we have with Calls on Call, just working with them. Okay. That I feel like with smaller service businesses that I can I can help a lot. Awesome. They're very easy to find success with. Yeah. They usually have zero systems, they're terrible at customer service, they have employee issues. Mm -hmm. And they're still making money. So at that point, you're like, oh my gosh, we can totally help you. So yeah. plus they're fun. So you mentioned um, that you come from a service background. So what um, what what is your what yeah. is your background? Can you share? Sure, sure. I started Doc Jam's Printer Repair in 2006. So before that, I was a mechanic. I fixed printers for, I don't know, seven years, something like that. Okay. I went to school for graphic design. So I combined mechanics and graphic design ended up fixing printers and then I decided hey I've always wanted to start my own business mm -hmm. what should I do and I remember making a list like what am I good at what can I make money at and printer repair was it so I owned that business for one month shy of eight years I sold it that was awesome one of the best days in the world mm -hmm. totally recommend selling a business if you have a chance do it's it do it cool. do it yeah <laughs> uh, oh my gosh because that business, it was, I learned so much from that business. Um, I remember sitting across, I went to coffee with a life insurance salesman. So you, you go to these networking events, right? And they're like, hey, you meet this life insurance person because they're everywhere. And life insurance person is like, hey, let's meet for coffee. I want to learn more about your business, which means they want to sell you life insurance. Yep. But I was too naive to know that. So I meet him for coffee and I'm like, this guy's an idiot. And then I thought, I said, hold on a second. I'm not going to buy life insurance from you, but I want you to just throw some numbers at me. If I were to buy life insurance from you, let's just say this $500,000 policy or something like that, what does that mean to you from a commission point of view? And then residuals. And he's telling me, he's like, okay, you're not going to buy life insurance from me. I get it. And he was open about what he's getting for commission. Mm -hmm. I thought, holy cow, this clown is making way more money than I am. And I'm working way harder than this guy is. And all, he's selling something that he doesn't really know that much about. Like, okay, wait a second, this guy's an idiot. But then I thought, is he an idiot? He's making more money and working less hard. So I can't say that he's an idiot. I could say that maybe the idiot is me. So I'm like, okay, we got to find a multiplier. We're, we're not trading time for money, right. which was my printer repair business. Besides my technicians, I was totally trading time for money. Yeah. So I'm like, we got to get rid of that. That's no good at all. <laughs> Plus, the printer repair business is kind of dying. So it won't it won't die completely, but it was getting rougher. We we're making half of our money off of consumables, right. ink and toner and all that jazz. And then um, 
so 2006, Amazon wasn't much, right? They were selling books and stuff like that. But then eBay came on and they start, you know, people have toner and ink that who knows where they got it, but it's available. Amazon comes on and they start selling everything. They probably sell jars of dust for all I know. And you can't <laughs> compete with that. It was interesting because we, I mean, I'm getting way down the rabbit hole over here, but we were paying Xerox to be able to sell their printers, right? Yeah. So in order to have the ability to sell their machines and to be able to service them under warranty, you have to pay them something. Then you have to take all these tests and all that jazz. So I would see what Xerox would sell me the printer for, and then I'd go on Amazon and see it cheaper. I thought, well, with Amazon, I don't have to pay them to do business with them, and I don't have to take a stupid test. Right. So I'm like, this is terrible. So it was just like you're getting you're getting beat up from all angles. And so eventually I learned maybe it's just time to pull the shoot. So you sell it and made some money. So it was cool. Eight years later, you're all beat up and yeah. you have the opportunity to sell it. Well, congratulations on that. I am super curious because often you, most businesses don't get to market to be actually sold. So that's a huge right, feat in itself. Right. So congratulations. Mm -hmm. um, how did you yeah. meet your, how did you meet your buyer? How did that all happen? So that I'm going to chalk up as luck. Oh, okay. I love luck. So there's, um, yeah, I would love to say that it was mad skills, but here's the situation, the, the story, I guess. I was kicking around selling the business. So at this time, I have calls on call. So I have someone answering the phone. Okay. So when somebody calls in and says, hey, my printer's broken, somebody's there to answer the phone. So the front end was taken care of. I had technicians to actually do the work of repairing the printer and I had systems in place so that my crew at Calls on Call could order toner and get that all taken care of. I had a delivery driver. So really I thought I just have to position the business that I am not needed. And so I was doing everything I could to pull myself out of the business because then you actually have a marketable business. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to sell me. Mm -hmm. I want to sell the business and then I can just walk away. So uh, my main technician said, James, I got to leave. I'm uh, his wife was making bank, so he really didn't have to work. And he had a bad day, and he decided, what am I working for? I think it was mid-50s, early 60s, something like that. And I thought, oh, that sucks. He wanted to be done that day, and I talked him into giving me two weeks. So he left after um, I talked him into two weeks, and I thought, okay, what do we want to do? Do we want to find another technician, train that technician, and go down that whole road? Or do I want to make some phone calls and try to see if we can sell this thing? So I said, phone calls. So I called this company that I was that we would do business back and forth with. They were a copier repair company. So they would send some stuff to us, little stuff they didn't want to deal with. And we would send stuff to them that was bigger stuff that we couldn't deal with. So I called up the owner of that company and I said, hey, Gary, how's it going? This is a Friday. He's like, it's going great, James. How's it going with you? And I was like, you want to buy a business? And he's like, um, oh, and this is a perfect part. This is what set me up for knowing that I have this shot. He's like, James, how long have you been in business? And I said, you know, at this point, it was seven and a half years. And he said, we've been in business 42 years, and your name is more well-known than ours. Because we had pushed the marketing, we had cars lettered up, and a, whole, a bunch of stuff that we did to push the name. And I was like, oh, yeah, the name has value. Mm -hmm. So then that triggered, okay, let's set a meeting. Six months of dinking around negotiating, we finally set it up. So I did, I met with two other companies that I was just feeling out, like, is this legit? Um, 
but the company ended up selling it to this first guy. I knew his I knew his business acumen was good, and I knew that for the most part his customer service was good. Because these are customers that followed me from job to job to my business. So I had, had them. These customers I've had for not all of them. Some of them we had for 14 years, something like that. So I'm like, I didn't want to just leave them like, hey, sorry, wow. see you later. I'm going to go buy a beach somewhere. <laughs> so you got to take care of them. They've been with you, right? Yeah. There's loyalty. Yeah. So I, I met with these other companies. I'm like, you guys are clowns. I can't leave my customers with you. I'm doing a terrible disservice to them. Mm-hmm. And Madison, where I live, it's it's not the biggest town in the world, right? We're 100,000 people or whatever. It's like, I didn't want to be rude. So it worked out. It worked out. There's a lot of dinking around, but it worked out. Did um, did you both come? Well, I mean, obviously you settled on a selling price, but were you guys close, mm-hmm. or were you, you know, ends of the spectrum? Oh and boy! <laughs> did you meet in the middle? That negotiation must have been brilliant. We, it was. That was one of the longest days of my life. That was a twelve-hour meeting, the last like that when everything was signed because yeah. it was it was me, him, his daughter was part of the business as well. So that was that was a little frustrating because she didn't really know what she was doing, but she was still a decision maker. Just whatever you got to deal with it. And then he had an attorney that was on the phone, and then he had an accountant. So he had this team of four, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. And then it was me, and then I had an attorney that would essentially, when once we agreed on something, then I could present that to my attorney, and the attorney was essentially on call. And my attorney, he was young, or is young. <laughs> he was young, smart, and efficient. Their attorney was old. He had to be semi-smart because he was an attorney, but I felt some of the mistakes he made were not ideal. And he was slow. <laughs> so like, oh my gosh. The amount of money that they paid their attorney um, was more than the difference that we were fighting over. <laughs> so... Yeah. It was it, like it wasn't a huge nut, but we're just like from a practicality standpoint, how about we just have the attorneys look at everything to make sure it's legal, but from a pricing standpoint, we don't need to think around with this, but mm-hmm. he still wanted his professionals poking at it, so oh, he had one other person, he had another friend that um buys a lot of funeral homes. So he had five people on his team. Oh, it was rough. It's frustrating, but we made it happen. Did you feel underrepresented or actually was that to your benefit? Uh, no, I would say it was to my benefit because I, my attorney was not suggesting, my attorney was more like dotting I's and crossing mm-hmm. T's. He was not saying, James, you shouldn't do this or James, you should do this or that's a good deal. So he was in it purely from a legal standpoint. Okay. So I was going essentially off of gut, mm-hmm. and I had met with a different coach to help me get a ballpark price. Mm-hmm. I'd met with SCORE, the something, something of retired executives. Yep. I met with them. That was kind of cool. Good. Side tangent, I go at this table with these, I think there's four old guys around the table, right? I get four different answers as far as the value <laughs> of the business. So I'm like, okay, that gave me some perspective that there's no, like, this is the price and that's what it is, right? Like, okay, right. there's gray area. What is the value to this? And from my point of view, I thought, okay, in negotiations, there's two things that I like to do. One is I like to look at it from their perspective, mm-hmm. right? So what are they getting out of this? And two is I like to not fall in love with the deal. Yeah, like smart. Even, like until the money's in your bank, don't fall in love. I tell people that with cars, with employees, just 
like don't fall in love um not romantic love i guess we want to make sure we don't mess that up but you know what i mean i do i totally yeah okay so um so the don't fall in love i was already in it kind of deep but i because i knew Mm -hmm. that if the deal didn't go through i'd have to go through hiring an employee and dinking around with all that and finding another buyer we're talking it was six months already invested, it could right? Be years before you found another buyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be not ideal, right? So he had some leverage there, but I also knew we have strong marketing. It's an easy layup for him absorbing our business. Um, so there's no other offering. To, like sometimes to grow a business is better just to acquire. Mm-hmm. So and there weren't a ton of me or chefs like mine running around. Plus, I mean, I feel like I was doing a super awesome job at the business. We had customers that stayed with us. And I, I think there was value to that that he understood. So, yeah. It would have sucked if that meeting didn't finish well. But, oh, my God, I don't think I've ever been that tired. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> after that 12-hour meeting, you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> I think we got a beer afterwards. It was all good. Good. So, yeah. So, how cool long ago day. was that since you've sold? Uh. Five years? Five yeah. years. Yeah. Okay. Five and a half years. It was September. Yeah. And then since that time, you, I think I've mm-hmm. understood you have a coaching business and you also have yep. a customer service calling business? Yep. Calls on call. Yeah. So calls. calls on call. We just entered, this is year number nine. Okay. So I, that was, that overlapped. Okay. Um, because I had Doc Jam's printer repair and I learned that uh, your cell phone is not a great way to run your business when you want to grow your business. Yep. Because although you have the ability, tool-wise, to answer your phone, you do not have the ability from a freedom point of view. Correct. You're in meetings or fixing printers or yelling at employees or something like that. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, so it wasn't practical. So I needed to solve that. I tried to solve it by finding a company that could do what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find that company, so I just created the company. So yay. So that I started with a business partner I don't know, almost nine years ago. And then I bought her out uh, one year ago. What is today? Probably about one year ago today or right around. Congratulations. So now it's all yours. It's your baby. It's all mine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hate, no, no, no. I want to pause there because I won't say it's my baby. I will. I pause there because I'm like a baby. I wouldn't sell, but I would totally (laughs) sell a business. (laughs) Yeah. That's good clarification. It's a, we'll call it a nice car, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Some better analogy, not baby. <laughs> no. Yeah, but um, I understand what you're saying. That's fun. Um, in in uh, in this conversation, what would you say have been some of your biggest missteps that you see that you've done or that in the companies you're helping do sure. today? Um, that's a, there are a lot of them. Um, I would say we got uh, systems. It took me a little while to realize that systems were a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just somebody had handed me or told me to check out the E Myth, the book, the E Myth. Yeah. Yep. And I thought, but I assumed E was for entrepreneur and Myth, from my point of view, was just like don't do this. I was like, I don't want to be told not to do this. I'm not going to read that book. So a few years in, I decided, hey, I'll read this book. And it was all about systems creation. And I thought, oh, and it gives you a different perspective, right? Then um, my wife pointed out something that I was never home. 
And at the time, we didn't have any kids, so I didn't think that was a big deal, but it turns out it is. <laughs> um, so I learned, like, what are you working so hard for, right? Like, you could work at a job, probably make more money at the time, and be able to take vacations that were actually paid right. and stuff like that, have insurance. And I thought, oh, okay, what am I doing all this for? And then you think, um, you have to get a better return on your investment. If you're going to take the risk of starting a business, you better get a return. So that means you got to be able to take time off. You have to get the freedom you want. You have to make the money that you want. And if at any time you want to walk away and it's not fun anymore, you have to be able to walk away. Mm -hmm. So that took me a long time. It took me a long time to learn that. Mm -hmm. But I did. <laughs> Yay. So and that's what you help other people with now, right? You know, you I do. Those, yeah. You know, the, the, the rule points. is yeah, more time, more fun, more money. Yeah. Not in that order necessarily, but right. yeah, I see a ton of people. You probably see this too, right? Mm -hmm. People that are working 12, 14 hour days. I mean, maybe they're making decent money, right? Let's just assume that they are, but they're never home. They don't see their kids and they're constantly doing work, even on weekends and stuff like that. I'm like, what's the point? That doesn't sound like fun at all. I'm just going to rip that off the wall. <laughs> It's making me uh, recall that I don't think I put mine on, do not disturb, but your phone's ringing off the hook. Aren't you, don't you have so a call I, on call service answering these for you? I do, like, that's an office line that no one has that number except for my crew, and my crew knows that I'm in here, so I'm assuming that's a telemarketer that somehow landed on that number, so <laughs> that's great. Um, <laughs> that's great. That's so funny. Yeah, the one number that I don't have transferred over to calls on call, that's ironically, awesome. or coincidentally, just shows up here. Sorry. <laughs> Um, Here we go. Uh -huh. How do you select your clients that you work with, or you know, what's your process? Sure, clients for drawing customers. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So, generally speaking, I want to see someone that has shown some sign of growth. Okay. So whether it's adding an employee, maybe if they added a van, maybe if they lettered up their van, or they invested in a website, or I see their ads. Uh, you get those mailers that yep. they actually they put their name in there or something like that. So from that point of view, my perspective is that they they are interested in growing because mm -hmm. they have invested money and or time in growing. There's a lot of companies that I've talked to that did not. They just they're happy where they're at. Mm -hmm. And coaching, I even give you another uh, a specific example. I got a buddy of mine that has a print shop. And when I first started coaching, I thought I'm going to get 10 clients and I'll just offer them coaching for free because that'll help me get my feet wet and learn a system. And then I can help them in the process and everybody wins, right? Mm -hmm. Their investment is time. My investment is time. And you could argue money because I'm putting stuff together. I met with him. Uh, we're meeting once a month for six months or something like that. And after month five, he had done some of the changes that I recommended him to do. But... There was a big one where his his back end, his paperwork was a nightmare. It was a mess. Mm -hmm. He's one of those people that I asked him, hey, are you making money? He didn't know because he was so far behind on paperwork that he didn't know. And I thought, how can you not know if you're making money? Like, that's a big deal. What are you in business for? How do you know if you can stay in business or afford business? Mm -hmm. So um, this session number six, I said, um, hey, man. I understand that things are challenging and stuff like this. And you got to understand, this is a guy that I've known since high school. 
I, I worked at this print shop when I was in high school. He worked at the print shop when he was in high school, started college, and then he ended up buying the print shop. So he, from just to lay some some uh, background, he is one of the people that takes the path of least resistance. Okay. Right. He bought his job is essentially what it comes down to. So, um, super nice guy. One of the nicest guys that you'll ever meet, but he's a path of least resistance guy. And I'm a guy that likes to push. Like, instead of just following the river down the Grand Canyon, I'd probably try to carve another canyon. Because you never know, it might be cooler, right? Right. Everybody else has seen that river, right? So, sometimes the way that I take initially is more difficult, but the end result is you have your own Grand Canyon. So, he, I was trying to push him a little bit. And it came to the point where he didn't want to be pushed. Right. And that was, um, well, I started drawing customers almost immediately after I sold Doc Jams. So we'll call it five whatever years ago. So currently, same revenue that he was doing before. He has the same one employee as he did before. It's the same business. It's a mirror from five years ago to today. So there's nothing that I could have told him that would have helped him grow because he had zero interest in growing. Right. So I have to look for people that have, that are driven to grow and maybe they just need some guidance. Mm-hmm. So I tell people like I'm not a chiropractor where I'm going to try to sell you and needing me forever. You just use me for a few times and after that, you're probably good on your own. Mm-hmm. Maybe come back every once in a while. We need a refresher, but for the most part, you can. You just need me to guide you a little bit. Most people know what they have to do. Right. They just, um, for whatever reason, don't do it. It's like losing weight, right? Like, there's no secret about losing weight. Just nope. run 20 miles a day and you'll figure it out, right? <laughs> you don't need to buy DVDs or get a, some weekly subscription plan or something like that. Yeah. Just move. End of secret. That's it. So, yeah. I don't know if that helps or not. But totally it, does. I don't know what you do. You look um, for growth of some kind. The for sure, and I we completely agree with that. Um, there's lots of um, businesses out there that I could do magic in their business, and I'm sure you could too. But if they don't want to, mm-hmm. or if that's not a totally. priority, right? Then coaching it probably doesn't make any sense, right? Because it's not going to be fun for right. me. <laughs> it's not going to be fun for them. And right. it does have it's to be It's frustrating, right? Yeah, yeah. It's frustrating to see because you're like, oh my gosh, you. Yeah. Oh, I tell people sometimes, it's like I'm in this boat that's headed towards this island. And the island's far away, and the person that I want to help is swimming. And I'm like, hey, and you can tell that they're tired out. And they're running out of breath, right? And they still got another mile of swim to go. And I'm like, do you, you want to get on the boat, right? We could totally help you on the boat. And they're like, I can't go on the boat, because if I get on the boat, I'd be changing directions 90 degrees. I'm going for that island. I'm like, you'd be changing direction 90 degrees for about 10 feet once you're on the boat. We can just power through that. We'll be there in 10 minutes. But they still, they don't want to change that direction. They're still just set in their ways. So it's frustrating because you're like, I don't know how to help you. Sorry. <laughs> that is a good analogy. I like it. Yeah. Um, it's tough. But, are, you, yeah. are you okay if I ask you for some insider trade secrets about how you find, do you, get, do you have inbound leads coming into your business? I do not. Oh, you do not? No. Okay. No, I don't. I don't pay for any anyways okay um most of it's referral okay and i would say half referral and half me you just meet someone and you mention sometimes i'll toss them a book and then six months three months later they'll say like hey can we just meet for coffee and pick your brain and then they become clients there's a i guess 
I'm just like with you, right? There's a trust factor that has to be set. Um, and it takes, essentially you're, it takes time. You're making some bold promises. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're making some bold promises, and you have to show, kind of prove that you can deliver on them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But I don't pay for any inbound leads. Mainly um, because I have a lot of other stuff going on with calls on call and stuff that um, I haven't pushed the business coaching thing as much as I'd like. Okay. So that'll come. Yeah. Buying right. a business in in absorbing what my partner was doing took a little time to get mm -hmm. on track, and so I would say up until well, I don't know up until a month ago really, I was still learning what she did or didn't do. <laughs> so yeah, all better now. That's awesome. Well, it sounds yeah. like you have um, exciting stuff on your horizon. Um, yeah. And uh, that you bring some um, some true expertise to business owners who need it, especially having gone through a sale, like that mm -hmm. was an education that was, I'm sure, like you could help so many people work through that process. Yeah, actually I helped another guy sell his business. He sold that thing for way less than he should have. But he was it was a business that he was making, he was making six figures, working 20 hours a week. Okay. It was a commercial cleaning business and he just wanted out the so 20 hours a week, um, sometimes we're at 3 in the morning because if he had an employee not show up, a lot of the places right. he was cleaning were bars. Right. And so he's like, I just don't want to be called at 3 in the morning to have to go clean up puke. So I'm like, I get that. I found a buyer for him. It was so cool. But I'm like, dude, you could sell this for triple what this guy's willing to offer you. Mm -hmm. But he knows this other guy, to his benefit, was using the leverage that this guy just wants out. So I helped him. I think we sold that thing in less than a month. But... And he's happy. So in the end, and sometimes that it's that that is worth it to kind of yeah. lose yourself from it for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like yeah. how do you define success, right? It's different for every person. So absolutely, yes. Yeah. Um, I so thank you for um, just sharing so authentically. Oh, sure. Like we have covered uh, many different topics here in our we, time. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ground <laughs> together Too much this morning, right? Absolutely. I do want to make sure that my listeners um, have um, have like the best way to be able to follow you and or hear your sure. podcast. So, what would you? Um, what What's the best way for people to connect with you? If they go to drawincustomers.com, okay. I have links. the The podcast is on there. Then it has links to. You can either download it directly from there, yeah. or it has links to the Apple and the Google Podcast and all that jazz. Um, I have blogs on there. Um, there's tons, of, there's links to videos on YouTube. Um, so you just look up draw in customers, all one word, okay. you'll find me. And I try to, there's just, I don't know. You could argue that I give away too much information, but in the end I absorb a lot of information from the internet. So I feel like I'm just giving back. There you go. This is fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So that's, yeah. And then calls on call if they need answering help or something like that. Okay. If they're a business that needs answering help, which arguably most of them do. <laughs> That's uh, I can go to callsoncall.com and for see that. sure. Maybe that's another podcast day to talk about just that element of um, how how businesses could grow that just that one strategy. Right? Oh my gosh! You know, it's funny. I was just I don't know how much time we have. But I was just at a place today that I'm getting some some work done on my truck. Right. So he's he's been in business um, 25 years, and he's been kicking tires about calls on call, and I'm like. He's like, what What kind of pricing are we talking about here? And I said, you know, it depends on volume, blah, blah, blah. 
And I talked to him about contingency ring, right? Where it could ring to him first, and then if he doesn't get it, it comes to us, right? And he's got employees and all that jazz. So I said, well, what kind of call volume are we talking, right? And he's like, oh, we probably don't answer 10 calls a day. I'm like, 10 calls a day? That's how many you're not answering? So we're like, okay, in a, in a month, let's just say short month, that's 40 calls a month yeah. that you're not getting. So I'm like, well, what do you do with those calls? And he's like, well, sometimes I call them back. <laughs> Like sometimes, <laughs> so then I thought, hold on a second now. Let's just say he pays us in the neighborhood of five hundred to a thousand dollars, right? Whatever it would be, because call volume, let's figure that out. Let's just say in the high end, thousand bucks, right? Which is be way high end. Let's just say that. So we have to come up with a thousand dollars for him. Right. So if his, I figured out his average ticket is probably in the neighborhood of five hundred bucks, but we figure he's probably got a margin of around twenty percent. Mm-hmm. So how many jobs do we have to get him for him to break even, right? We're doing this math. Not very and then many. we thought, well, we're not in the business to break even, yeah. right? So we want to triple that. So in order for him to put money in his pocket, right, give us 1000 bucks in exchange, he makes mm-hmm. 3000 This is how many how many um, uh, services, essentially, that we have to uh, schedule for him. Mm-hmm. And with 40 in a month, and if we schedule a quarter of those, it's easy money. Easy money for him. So I'm like, I'm essentially asking you to trade $1,000 in exchange for $3,000. I will make that trade all day long. Mm-hmm. If somebody says, hey, if you give me a grand, I'll give you three grand, I'll be like, as fast as I can get that grand out, I will make that trade. Absolutely. But this guy's like, huh, huh. I'm like, what do you mean, huh? From a business perspective, you're like, okay, you're still not sure because it's spending money, right? You see that as money going out. You haven't been guaranteed money coming in. Totally get that. But there's also the customer aspect. There's tons of reviews for businesses mm-hmm. where people will say they've never actually done business with the business that they're reviewing. They just called and never get a call back. And they're, they're upset. Mm-hmm. I get upset too when I call yeah. a business and they don't call me back. Right? This guy was even complaining. He's like, sometimes people call and if we don't answer, they'll call again and again and again. Like we're going to answer later. <laughs> like, are you listening to yourselves, man? These people are literally asking you if you will take their money, and you're like, meh, maybe later. <laughs> ah, it's frustrating. Uh, so, sounds like the yeah. perfect client, well, James. Perfect client. Oh, my gosh. I thought so. Easy layup, right? It should be totally easy layup. But I joked with one of my, my admins. I was like, I feel like I'm trying to make – this is not – easy layup it should be but i feel like i'm making a half court shot with a beach ball this is way more difficult than it should be but yeah eventually uh, he'll come around eventually if they're smart they do yeah but yeah yeah it, it, it is a choice right totally a choice and i can't make it for him so it's the same <laughs> thing with coaching right it is for sure like i can lead you to water right? yeah yep. oh that's great mm-hmm. It has yeah. been such a pleasure um, speaking with you this afternoon. Thank you very much for your time. And so I just want to uh, kind of wrap it up and cap it. Um, you said sure. the best way to reach you is drawincustomers.com, where you have yep. all of your tips and tricks and tools and resources and videos yep. and blogs. That's awesome. Everything. Yep. Excellent. There's a phone there if they want to call. They can, we'll answer it. You will? So it, we will totally answer it. <laughs> we better answer it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's great. James, thank you so much. Thank you, Wilson. This has been fun. Awesome. Have a great day. Cool. Yeah, you as well. Thank you. 